Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies. I am Garrett. I am Carson. And we are going to talk MCU. We're going to talk Eternals today. Marvel's Eternals. Yeah. Man, with this one, I think uh, I think I had some decent expectations because, you know, the, the director has won Best Picture and Best Director, so... You know, coming into it, there's a level of oh, maybe this will look and feel a little bit different than a standard Marvel movie. Um, from what we had seen from the trailers, the story certainly looked, I mean, kind of Marvelish, but also very abstract. So I thought, okay, we this might be the one movie, and maybe you and I talked about this before too. But I felt like maybe this is going to be the one movie that um, really set the tone for whatever is next in the MCU. Yeah, and, and coming into this, I thought bringing in the Eternals was very was going to be very ambitious. Uh, you drop well, like eight characters in, uh, and sort of abstract characters and ideas, and and I wasn't sure how they were gonna how they were gonna do it, and so that was more my I was concerned of how they were gonna weave everything together. Is my coming into it that that's what I was thinking because having you- read the Eternals books. It uh, it's not clear. Of do, really do how you they, mean how they, how they were gonna weave them into a single movie, or how they're gonna weave them into the whole MCU? Both. Um, okay. I didn't think that they they were have enough time to introduce. I mean, they have an all star cast, but how they can give everybody enough time um, to actually get to know any characters, but then also how they're gonna tie it into, you know, a guy who shoots bow and arrows, you know. And so you have the, the, this guy, but then you also have the Eternals. And so I was right. curious how the MCU is going to treat it, uh, especially with all the uh, the, the time-based stuff that we're, we seem to be going with in multiverse uh, mm-hmm. with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man that's coming. And then you, you throw in the Eternals right in the mix of that. And like, okay, this, this could be huge um, or this could be overly complicated. Yeah, and I, I, after seeing the movie, don't know where we're at on that regards. Like, I guess it, it feels like the movie was fine as a self-contained storyline um, where I don't have any insight. And, and this is fine. I don't have to have the insight. You know, Marvel, Marvel has stitched together 22 movies in the past in a way that, you know, felt fine in the end. But I don't know, after leaving the theater, where Eternals sits in the context of everything else that's going on in Marvel. Because I agree with you. I feel like we have like three lanes here. We have your standard MCU lane, which is sort of, you know, kind of bleeding multiverse. But I would almost argue like the standard MCU line is more of like traditional Avengers, uh, what's going on with Sam and Bucky, you know, that kind of stuff. Then you've got what Loki caused, which is like the the, the variants, the, the time issues, that now seem like that's going to fold into more of like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. So that's like my second avenue. And then the third one is like, oh, now we're dropping Eternals in here on you. And that's a third lane that we could be going with MCU. 
and you know, taking it a step back further, I don't really even know which lane Shang-Chi kind of fits in. I'm guessing it's more of like the multiverse route because of how he hooked up with Wong at the end if we're thinking Strange hooks in. So I don't know. I just, I feel like there's kind of three different paths things are going right, going down right now in the MCU and I'm not quite sure what that means. But I, I guess I will just try to enjoy it as it goes instead of always just trying to play like, who, how does this connect, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, you you look at what they've announced coming down the pike. You got Blade, you got She-Hulk, you got, um, there's talk of introducing, you know, bringing the Punisher back in somehow, and, and Daredevil even, and Moon Knight, we know that's announced. So that these are very street-level heroes. And then you, you go something to where Earth is just a little piece of, of what's going on. And so mm-hmm. I know you need that kind of with Captain Marvel. Um, but you, you got so big where these little heroes, do they even find their, uh, their piece in all this? Right. And so it's, it's, oh yeah, you got these, co- and I know that's how the comics are. You have these cosmic level beings at the same time as this daredevil protecting hell's kitchen, you know, so it's like, it, he just carved out these, these blocks that he, that he protects, but it's, it, it's weird that they decided to go so big and not try to bring it back small with their approach yep. so to do them both at the same time is interesting to me yeah and maybe that's maybe that's their plan i really i really don't know it's going to be interesting to see how the mcu unfolds with all of this and and see because you know if, if you had told me at the beginning of like iron man one or two and like hey we're gonna have a 22 movie tapestry here and we're gonna weave this all together i probably been like Okay, good luck. I mean, fine, but they they've proved that they can do it. So I I guess we will see. Maybe maybe they just feel the need to get a little bit more ambitious now with with what they're doing. Yeah, and and they took Guardians of the Galaxy out of obscurity and turned it into you know fan favorites. You know, I think that that's kind of what the idea with the Eternals are. I mean, they have like ten books every ten years. Like like so they don't have like a massive following. Mm-hmm. Um, or they would make more books. Uh, they don't have just a, a long history because they kind of change it each time that they get reintroduced in a new decade. But it's just a weird pick for what they're doing. Like there, there is no. To me, it's hard to go that big uh, with characters that are that odd. Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't disagree with that. I, I think it's hard to go that big too with characters that you have no familiarity with right like we got pretty big with infinity stones and thanos and killing half the universe but we 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 led up to that by learning about all these different characters and it's sort of like everybody that was on the avengers was sort of like punching up at thanos and i think that's kind of the case here with eternals where there's still somebody above them that they're punching up at but the problem is now we're like 18 layers abstracted from like earth's mightiest heroes now we're we're basically, you know, looking at a bunch of I, almost Thors, I guess. I, I, maybe they're more powerful than Thor. I'm not really, again, here I go again on like that power scale of like who's stronger than who in the Marvel Universe. But the closest thing I could compare the Celestials to would be Thor, something that's basically immortal for all intents and purposes. Yeah. You, I mean, you have the Celestials, but then we have the Fantastic Four coming that you're thinking of Galactus, which is essentially... Uh, the same, the same scale of oh, you're trying to introduce this guy who devours planets, 
but he's almost he's not creating planets so is he less than the celestials <laughs> right. you know and, and so it's i think it took away from galactus coming when you already have this giant celestial inside the earth sure but spoiler i guess <laughs> so but but it's a it's just one of those it, it's it's a weird time to put this movie in and i think as a standalone movie of this has no connection to the mcu what's it if you, if you went sony with it mm-hmm. and just said oh these don't connect anything this is this is a much better movie i think for from for myself than me trying to squeeze it into falcon you know right falcon and winter soldier like they those two don't touch and i think they tried to do too much and i'll get into that later <laughs> um into this movie so that's uh I don't even think we've done our intro yet before I go down that path. No, no, we're just we're diving right yeah. into it. I mean, I think MCU movies hardly need an introduction, but we can we can go and throw it out there. We are talking Eternals, and the blurb is that the Eternals are a team of ancient aliens who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years. When an unexpected tragedy forces them out of the shadows, they are forced to reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. I mentioned that it was directed by Chloe Zhao, who did Nomad Land, which just won Best Picture and Best Director a few years ago. So, uh, I'm not sure I've known of an Academy Award-winning director to do an MCU movie, but I'm not. I'd have to go dig that up a little bit. Um, let's see. Lots of people to go through on the cast. Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjani, Leah McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, Barry Keoghan, Ma Dong-seok, Kit Harrington, Salma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, Bill Skarsgård, and Harish Patel. So we've already dipped our toes in a little bit here. But since I just rattled off that cast, I maybe maybe we start there. Um, what did you think? I mean, there's, I guess, both cast and... I don't think you can really talk about the size of the cast without talking about the size of the characters. So what were your thoughts on, you know, us trying to meet 10 different Eternals and trying to basically start and complete a life cycle of Eternals character introduction in a single movie? Well, I think we knew that some were going to be side characters Mm -hmm. uh, and not have as much development. Uh, And truly those side characters were the most interesting to me. And I don't know if it's because they didn't try to develop them at all, um, but not everybody was going to get their their time in the sun. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I like the cast. Uh, I did not like Angelina Jolie, and I don't know if it's because what they did with her character. Um, I thought she would bring a stronger presence to this movie than she did. Um, even even Selma, uh, I don't think she did uh, a great job but i liked everybody else i think i don't think there's anybody else that that stood out to me as as didn't do what they were supposed to Um, yeah i would agree with that i i think i think angelina jolie is a little bit like johnny depp to me and that the brand the persona of angelina jolie brings a lot more uh conceptual weight with it than like actually acting weight because if i think back there's not really a ton of angelina jolie roles that i I absolutely love. Like she might be in some movies that I kind of like, but now that I think back on it, I guess I'm just sort of like, all right, well, it's Angelina Jolie. The movie was probably pretty good, but I like, I never thought she like absolutely crushed her role. So, um, I do think part of maybe what ha- 
how that kind of played out for me was part of my perception of her. But then also I agree with you. Some of what they did with the character just kind of didn't lend itself to the type of impact that you would, you would think they, they went a different direction with it. But um, who was the other one you mentioned that you didn't care for? Uh, Selma. Oh, Selma. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can see that. Selma was just kind of there. Um, there's not much. I think that she could have done given the writing in that role, but I, I thought she fit well with what she did. The one I can't really get a beat on whether I liked or not, because there's part of me that liked it and part of me that didn't, is Richard Madden as Icarus. Um, I I don't... <clears throat> Rob? Yeah, Rob Stark playing Superman in a Marvel movie. Um, I don't know. Again, I, I think maybe his character was kind of supposed to be stiff, uh, rigid. You know, I, I think they, thematically, I think they play on that actually so maybe it was by design that he just seemed a little stoic and wooden and just kind of there on the screen um so he was one that i I would say you know i'm not quite sure on if i had to if you had to press me on it but the ones i know for sure that i did like were jimma chan and definitely kumail nanjani and and brian tyree henry those are those are the ones that stood out to me but even barry keown um i thought he was pretty good given what he had to do so I agree with you. I think the yeah. cast was pretty good. Yeah, well, Rob Stark, I thought he was... Um, I liked him in this better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, he was just a little disconnect from the comics. The comics, Icarus is, is pretty dumb, a dumb, blunt instrument. Um, and so he didn't have as much wits about him. Of Yeah, he's powerful, but he just kind of, hey, go do this type of thing, and he does that one task mm-hmm. you know and so I, I didn't know when when he was cast i was like okay i don't i don't see that connection but obviously they strayed uh significantly from the comics and kind of made their own thing um and each of the characters they they did some gender swapping from the characters in the in the comics for for these but it, again there's there's so few storylines that they're involved i can't imagine that anybody you know is is so eternals fans where they they even i'm sure they they've noticed but not that they they matter sure because <laughs> they have really no lasting consequences whatsoever but when casting angelina as you know athena you're like okay warrior whatnot like that could be a pretty good role for her but then they basically kept her on the sidelines for you know 90 percent of the movie mm-hmm. and so it was it, it and picking on it speaking on her but each time i saw her on screen like i think you're my least favorite <laughs> like that's that's just how my my brain worked i was like i want to see less of you and more of these other characters yeah and i and i like her and and you know i i love selma um mm-hmm. and i just don't think that those those two kind of fit what's going on other than having a name to put help yeah people come to see this movie i agree i i, I 100 agree with that and i would have and, and I think it's hard to talk about in spoiler free, but I, I think those were writing choices that impacted that a lot. And again, not that I think that either of them were super great actresses that bring a lot of weight to a role or whatever, um, but they did seem a little underperformed, if not underutilized a little bit. But I do think, like I said, where where they were kind of pushed to the backside, you know, Kumail stepped up. Jimma Chan, I thought was great. I had zero problems with her leading the movie at all. I think the only thing I've ever seen her in is Crazy Rich Asians. But oh, she did great leading a, a first movie. I would have liked to have seen more of Brian Tyree Henry, but you know, there's only so much you can do when you got ten plus people trying to fit into a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that you're, you're going to lose some people. Yeah. And that's, uh, um, like I said, my, my favorites were the ones that, uh, probably got the least screen time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we <clears throat> so, you know, in the last little bit of spoiler free time that we have, I guess, what did you think about, you know, the pacing, the visuals? I mean, it's a two and a half hour movie. So the rest of the movie, besides, you know, we talked a little bit about cast, talked a little bit about how it fits in MCU, but what are your thoughts on, on the, the rest of the movie from either the visuals, um, how things played out, uh, you know, final thoughts before we get into spoilers. Cause I think it's, for me, it's getting really hard to talk about Eternals without actually talking <laughs> about some key plot points. Yeah. Uh, I liked all of the powers that they used as far as how they did them. Um, I think, I really enjoyed how they did the speedster. Um, I thought the visuals on that was probably the best we've seen, I think, to date. I mean, they didn't do the slow motion stuff that has become pretty pretty done. Um, yeah, it's become the new Matrix technology, right? Like, all right, we've seen bullet time for several years now. We've seen the slow-mo for several years now. We've got to find a different way. Yeah, and I, and I thought they did, and I was really impressed with how they did the speedster, and and I really enjoyed that. Um, Gilgamesh, I liked how I felt his punches, uh, whenever he was punching somebody like that's cool. Like I, I, I know when he's using his power and uh, even, uh, Icarus and everybody I thought worked really well, which I hate, I did not like and borderline hated was the way the deviants looked, mm. looked extremely CGI. And we knew that going in, we saw the trailers were like, that looks kind of dumb. Um, they don't look real. And that's, uh. That's an issue that I have. It just immediately takes you out of the movie when you're fighting a CGI monster. Yeah. So, but every, everything else without the deviance, I think visually it, it looked, it was a well shot movie. Um, but the effects piece of deviance alone uh, were my issue. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah. I mean, the, the deviance, we knew what we were getting. I was kind of hoping that there'd be some cleanup there. I'm getting a little tired of. Um, those kinds of monsters, whether that be Matrix Sentinels, whether it be the things from Edge of Tomorrow, whether it be uh, Thanos' Horde. Yeah, A Quiet Place. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There's some uniqueness to each of these things that I've mentioned, and we're and I just covered like 20 years of, you know, things. It's just, there's just something about it. These struck me as kind of venomish in a way, like the, the CGI was bad, and I felt like they were trying to hide some, some stuff, especially in, in darker scenes. I know that they're not always dark scenes where the deviants came out, but I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I, there was also some choices with the deviants story-wise I didn't care for. Visually, I had, I had oh, I guess I'm going to say. And the deviants, you think that they have so many moving parts is because they're trying to cover up stuff? Is that... Yeah, take? I mean, yes, it's the same take I have with like, it's almost like they know they can't make it look like anything. So then they try and just make it look like nothing, nothing it, while like just having a like, oh, if we make it like their skin float and crawl or have all these tentacles coming out, then people will just be distracted by what's going on with that and not like hone in. But uh, there, there comes a point in time where, you know, one of the deviants has a humanoid form to it and that doesn't look good at all. Nope, nope, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think visually it was, is really good. I think there was some emotional pull to this movie that I don't think you typically get out of a Marvel. Like Marvel does do some emotions, but they don't do, I don't know. They have a formula. I felt like this one tried to at least visually or conceptually break away from the Marvel formula a little bit while, while still taking bits and pieces from it. And primarily on like the love story, I guess I felt like that was done a little bit better than normal. Um, 
I like the mythology that the movie presents. I think it's cool that you've got, you know, Athena and Icarus and Gilgamesh, these characters that have been around in human tales since, you know, humans have been around. And now you're kind of presenting why, why they are in said tales. So conceptually, this works a lot for me. But I, again, I don't quite know that they walk that line well enough for me where it's like, okay, we've got to introduce all these heady concepts, but then also still make it, you know, an interesting movie. And there was a lot of setup to, I think, get that history going. And it was a little slow during that setup time. And maybe in like the last hour of the movie, things pick up a little bit, but it's a, it's a little bit slow, slow roll getting there. And, and I think they didn't have a very good poker face for a movie. I, I called like two or three things very early in the movie um, that ended up happening later. So you know, not a good poker face. Um, actually, they I didn't know where they were going to be honest, uh, and I didn't see where they where they went. So they I guess they they got me. Yeah, um, but I I didn't feel the emotional pull. I guess at all. I, I saw that they tried, and we got our first uh, sex scene in a Marvel movie. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that surprised me, and it was completely unnecessary to be honest. Like why why are they showing this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that was probably a, a director's choice. I think they were again. I. I I can see where I think they were going for a little bit of a different feel to maybe some of the same Marvel formulas. And that would be an example of where I thought they were trying to push the envelope a little bit in terms of a love story and show that relationship. So they decided to throw that scene in there and yeah, first time for everything. <laughs> yep. Is that, and, and back to the, the deviants a little bit, they, in the comics, they're more humanoid. I mean, they're like trolls type of thing, um, which they could have gone more that route sort of demons or trolls that that's where my mind goes when i see jack kirby's interpretation of them uh not these squid like dogs wol wolves yeah and dogs and it you know they're fine to kind of show off some powers but you don't have anybody that they're fighting against right i think yeah so okay well i think i think where i'm at on this movie is i think i'm at a three i I enjoyed it. I didn't actively hate it. There were elements of it where I felt stronger than a three. There was elements where I felt lower than a three. So I feel like this kind of is middle ground. If you told me that I couldn't make this movie a three and I had to make it a two and a half or a three and a half, I I would probably go three and a half. I think there was enough elements in there that I liked that I would I would be able to justify that more than I would a two and a half. I would like to see it again with some fresh eyes. I think kind of knowing the mythology and knowing where things are going now, I, I might enjoy it a second time. I think probably after the first 20, 30 minutes, that, that next little stretch of about an hour is going to be rough to get through on a, on a second sitting. Cause there's just a lot of exposition, a lot of telling you what things are um, before you can really get into the meat of things. But I, I think overall I enjoyed it. I don't think it's nearly as bad as what I've seen people online saying, um, you know, there's worse Marvel movies out there, I guess is what I'm saying. This would probably be, if I rank this out middle of the pack, like Dr. Strange-ish territory for me. See, and I think that's where I have my holdup is why I'm not ranking it as high as I think it deserves. So, I mean, I'm at a, I'm at a three and a half, uh, but could be a three because my brain's trying to keep it in the MCU. Mm -hmm. If this was outside the MCU in a standalone movie, I think it's a better movie. But trying to fold it into, and some of the choices they made to try to fold it into the MCU is where I'm like, really? What, what, why are we trying to do that? And that that removed me from the movie as this is supposed to be a part 
of all this. And that's a standalone movie. I think it's a much better. Um, so I'm somewhere between there. I could be convinced to go to go either way. See, but. I think I would actually say I'm the opposite on that. Like, I, I want to know how it connects on all that, but I'm not holding that against the movie. But it does get a little bit of a benefit because it exists in a world where I have faith that they will sort this out. And, and so, like, I want to rate the movie individually. I know I have issues with where it might fit, but I wouldn't hold that against the movie because that's that's information I don't know yet. It's like it's like watching the first movie in a series when you know others are coming and it's like, well, I'm going to rate it down or up based on that. And like, hey, you got to kind of like focus in on what it is. But if this was outside of the MCU and it didn't and they were this was just introducing something all new, I I don't think I would probably like it as much. I think I would I would feel like it's a little bit more rushed not as good as self like they're trying to do too much in one movie i'd say break it up whereas knowing that it is part of the mcu i was i typically understand why you're maybe trying to cram more into one movie than than others so i I would actually say i kind of i I see what you're saying but i kind of just fall on the opposite side of that well i mean a certain element it's like Jon snow's character like they're they're trying to shoehorn somebody into this movie so they can introduce them later but it has nothing to do with what's going on and it, it is like a weird thing to shove into it. And I know they're doing that because it's the MCU and not because it's, you know, an Eternals, a new thing. Right. Like a standalone movie. And so it's things like that that, that get me. And so now I don't know how I'll feel about it the second time around, but that that's why. And again, trying to put Thor into this world, like why hasn't Thor run across them? Maybe he has. Sure. I don't know. I'm not, not saying that they've never met Thor before, but you'd think they'd cross paths over the... Mm-hmm. the thousands of years or, or however long they've been been around yeah i mean i think that leads to a question that maybe we can uh maybe we can open up uh in spoilers with let's do it all right this is your last chance after this there is no turning back okay so Taking that question, I guess, a little bit further, the more Marvel builds out their universe, the more problems I think they're going to have with the question of where is everybody else when X is happening? And and that's already kind of happened, right? Like, where was Captain Marvel when some of the original stuff was going down, et cetera, et cetera. But your universe stuff is what she said. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, maybe (laughs) you can answer like that. But, you know, there are going to be people who ask, like, okay, there was just this big battle going on where this celestial was trying to be birthed from earth. Like there's not one character that we've known around, like sensing some problems that could, that could come in. Like where, where is literally everybody else that you've introduced? Well, spoilers, but Tony Stark is dead. (laughs) Yes. So I think, you know, people monitoring the earth's core or whatnot would be black Panther, which who knows what they're doing with that. Mm Mm-hmm. You could have Reed Richards, who we haven't been introduced to yet. You have Tony Stark. I'm trying to think in the comics, who are the ones that are like, oh, this is all happening. You know, Beast from X-Men. Sure, but you'd also think like Doctor Strange would maybe sense some of these powers happening. stuff. I mean, it it goes beyond just like the scientific, like who's monitoring the Earth's core. It's just like, you know, there used to be a hem doll who could see everything. You know, there's the watcher. He's dead. Is now He's a, dead. No, I know. But, you know, you've... <laughs> They're introduced, all dead, Garrett. That's your answer. <laughs> you've introduced all these figures, not just the earthbound ones, but even the spacebound ones that are aware of when things are happening across. And then so you just... 
I, I'm the kind of person who can just, I can kind of set that aside and just be like, look, I get it, man. There's a big universe. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Not, not everybody's going to run in and help at the same time. But I, I do understand why people would ask that. Like how, you know, Earth's about ready to blow up and everybody that we've seen for the past, you know, 15 years that's been saving Earth in the MCU is just MIA during this whole thing. Like, it, I, I get it. It doesn't bother me as much as other people, but I get it. But it happens so fast, see. Sure. Well, and they were out in the middle of an island somewhere. Right. I mean, because that's... Not like it was New York City. That's the limitation of... Swing by. Uh, right. That's the limitation of all the powers that we know. Just go to an island out there and nobody will ever sense the global earthquakes happening or anything else of that. Or the big celestial who appeared in the sky at the end like he was, you know, uh, Shao Kahn. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. So I, it doesn't bother me as much, but I get it. Was he there? The celestial? Was the celestial there? I mean, that's the impression I got. Didn't pe- the clouds opened and like I thought people saw him and stuff, or is that that little vision thing where only Jimma Chan saw him? I thought only Jimma. I don't know. Him, it's kind of hard because they they did that differently than what they had done the other. Like the other ones, you kind of see it from Jimma's perspective, and like the world falls away and then she's there. And this was kind of like, you know, the clouds opened up almost in a way. I had to go back and watch to see if like people reacted to that that were there, pointing up to the sky and what yeah. Is that? Right. Yeah. I feel like in my mind, I can picture the clouds and them separating. I thought there was like people on a beach or something or something down there and they all start to run or whatever, but I could be, I could be hmm. wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that piece. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start small and we'll go back because I want to mention, I mentioned Jon Snow at the end of the spoiler free. Mm-hmm. So Black Knight, he's, he's a guy who flies on a, a Pegasus that he's a knight and he kills people with this ebony blade. He's, he's immortal as long as he's holding the blade. Like, that's kind of his thing. To He's more street level, you know? And so to to introduce him in Eternals is weird. And unless they were going with the fact that his girlfriend has been kind of tracking his family lineage over time, you know, and they didn't really hint that of why she was dating him. Mm-hmm. I thought that might have been kind of the play that they were going to go with of, you know, I've, I've followed your family and then she got involved, you know, somehow with the with him. But it's kind of it's a family legacy thing of the Black Knight sent all the way back to uh, Arthurian age. So I thought they were going to tie that into it. But it, it seems like it's just coincidence that she happened to be dating the guy who had become the Black Knight, which mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't dig that at all. Oh. I, I don't mind. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the Black Knight. I, I feel like that's within Marvel's normal formula to introduce a character that you don't know how necessarily they're going to fold in to later movies. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it could just be happenstance. She just happened to be dating a guy who ends up having a secret family lineage of being the Black Knight. I, and they felt like yeah, that was a they, good opportunity to, to get him in there. And I mean, Sprite mentioned the Ebony Blade oh, when on the ship. She goes, hey, is that the Ebony Blade? And oh. she said, no, this is Excalibur, you know, and she was swinging it around. Um, so they're, they're like hinting that they know of the Black Knight and <laughs> what's, mm-hmm. what's going on. But also, you know, they don't mention anything in the movie. I, I thought, now, mind you, I think it's too much to put into this movie of what, what she was doing, dating him. Uh, mm-hmm. Because this movie's jam-packed full of crap already. Right. I don't think you needed Jon Snow in this. I think you can find another Marvel movie to introduce him into it. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the end credit scenes don't typically matter to me as much when you're introducing new characters. It's just, I see it as just kind of a wink and a nod to get 
you know, another character introduced, it's become part of their success thing. They know people are staying for a mid credit and an end credit. Um, so, you know, it, it is whatever to me. I, I wouldn't hold anything against the movie for that. Um, so. And it has been confirmed. Is that correct? That uh, it was Blade's voice at the end of that? Uh, yeah. According to the article I saw, the, the director of Eternals said that that was Mahershala Ali's voice and he's been cast as Blade. So I, like, she didn't come out and say, I don't think that that was Blade. But she did say it was Mahershala Ali's voice, um, <laughs> which I actually thought it was The Watcher. Um, when I walked out of the theater, I was like, oh, that sounded like Jeffrey Wright. That must be The Watcher. And then, uh, then, and actually, in a weird way, I like that it's Blade more because with The Watcher, I was sort of like, okay, so now we are kind of folding in multiverse what if stuff into Eternals, which is already pretty big. So now I'm like left thinking, well, I don't quite know why Black Knight and Blade would be at the end of Eternals, but at least I'm not worried that multiverse is happening at the same time as Celestials and uh, yeah. Eternals, because then I think you're you're crossing streams in a way that could get real bad. Yeah, I was for it to be Blade. It's weird that they just didn't show him. Mm-hmm. Like why? Not? But maybe they haven't, you know, figured out the, his look yet. I'm guessing that's the case because I think that movie's pretty far out. I mean, it's been announced that, you know, at that big Marvel con thing, like a, I don't know, a year ago, six months ago, that Blade was happening and it is Mahershala Ali, but I don't know that they've even got a date for it. So I can't imagine. I mean, they might be in like concept art phase, you know, who knows? And, so, and it, that's just weird to me that the director would say who it is. Like, why not just leave it? I mean, she had to have the okay, right? I mean, Marvel doesn't do anything or give anything away without saying like it's okay so they must know, have but, wanted you to do that but that that soon i mean that uh it's release weekend you're like yeah that's that's blade you know like that's yeah. it's weird to me opposed to letting people think oh is it mephisto again right you know all, all that stuff but immediately the weekend hey who, who is this at the end oh it's blade I'm like oh <laughs> okay so you're, yeah. you're looking you're creating this mystery of somebody looking off screen and you're telling us exactly who who this is right as it comes out i feel like that's counterintuitive yeah, I can see that. Let it let it breathe a little bit. At least give it a week. Yeah. A week, something. Yeah, week, month. Wait till Spider Man. I don't know. <laughs> sure. So okay, back back to Eternals. They were the the main plot, I guess. So my my favorite, I think my favorite character was Gilgamesh, and I was very disappointed. To see well, him the back. big strong one. I'm I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> color me shocked. The, the DK well, he, of the Eternals is who you're yes. going with. Yeah, he had the DK punch. Yes. I, I liked how they did him. Uh, I liked his character. I liked uh, the actor to play him. Um, I thought everything around him, and I was like, of course, he's the one who dies. Yeah. Damn it. Well, um, you, you knew once he started being the one to take care of Athena, that wasn't going to last. Like He was going down one way or the other. She was either going to kill him in some sad thing, or he was going to sacrifice himself for her. That was painfully but, apparent. And that's that's the difference between the Eternals in this movie and the Eternals in the books. The Eternals in the books are essentially reincarnated when they die, mm-hmm. so they'll die, and then the ship brings them back, you know. And so that's that's how they are eternal that way. And that's why you can say, why weren't they there? Well, they were dead during that period of time, and then they were brought back. So you kind of dodge some of your questions of where were they during Thanos? Well, they weren't resurrected yet sure because they didn't have a need or the ship has to resurrect them and so that's a, it's an easy cop-out um they didn't do that so apparently they can all die pretty easily they just are immortal they can live forever 
so that that's that's a little twist that they have here um but i I really liked Gilgamesh what i I didn't like um the guy who could mind control mm-hmm. uh when he left Tenochtitlan, you know carrying the people away, and he said, "You're gonna have to kill me." I thought that either Selma was gonna go kill him kind of on the side or she was gonna send Icarus to kill him without the rest of the eternals knowing about it, yeah, and I thought I thought that would have been a pretty cool. Pretty cool move. If he can just stop war, you know, by mind controlling people, and he was hell bent on doing that, I feel like his change of heart was sooner than it should have been in the history of time. Sure, I I can see that. I mean, I I felt like they kind of showed that happening even in what Babylon because he was stopping people from fighting in Babylon, right? So I, I mean, he clearly had some of these inklings before Tenochtitlan. So I. You know, I, I actually think they did a good job of showing um, the Eternals' conflict between what they're sent there to do, like their job versus why they didn't want to go through with it when they found out what their real mission was. I, I thought like that was something that worked in the movie the the struggle of like well, essentially their morality, right? Like, should we be letting this planet die so that so many others could be birthed? Should we be stopping the war? Should we be giving them the technology? You know, that kind of stuff. I, th- I thought that all worked pretty well, given the size and scope of the movie that they were going for. Um, yeah. And they, they had that, that debate of, do you save one person if it kills a busload of other people? Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, well, what would you do? Do you do nothing? Let right. That one person die and the busload. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that's challenging for me is, and again, I think this is where a rewatch would help, but just really making sure I understand the point of all this. And so like, you know, there's the one big celestial, like Aramesh, I think it was, or something like that. I, I get, I don't know if he's like the end all be all of celestials or if like all celestials are created the same. So like the one that was birthing out of the planet, is it like a younger celestial or is it automatically the same yeah. as Aramesh or whatever his name is? I assumed it was a younger, new celestial. Yeah, I mean, I, I would too. Um, but then, you know, you have okay. So the celestials are creating the Eternals, and they're they're sent to the planets, and the Eternals are essentially the same as the Deviants, but they don't find this out till later. All that stuff. But then, like, I think the the weird piece I need to kind of wrap my head around is the celestial that's being born inside of a planet needs intelligent brains to use as a power source energy okay right and once it gets to a certain point it can then be birthed and the eternals like say this whole time like they're not allowed to interfere they can't do all this stuff and i guess i'm supposed to take away that that needs to happen because the celestials like enjoy watching planets like we're in a zoo because really the quickest way to build up that kind of stuff i guess would be to just like they should have been preventing all the wars. They should have been giving them more technology because the less you're killing people, the but I know they said something like we have to let them learn how to do math and science so that they can like have wars to then improve healthcare and whatever. I'm just kind of like, really like out of all the things that are happening here, you guys couldn't just figure out a way to farm intelligent life better and get the celestial born quicker than just to not do anything like that. I don't know. It just seems counterintuitive to me. I get what they're saying is, is that that war created advancements, but, if he can just give them the same advancements, exactly, you know, then then we're at a different yeah you know, level. So I mean, I, I'm just gonna kind of set it aside. I, it didn't really bother me, but you do kind of take a step back and be like, oh, okay. So unless you're just 
playing some squid game kind of stuff where like as a celestial, you just like to see what happens on these planets. And that's why you're telling the Eternals to stay out of it. If you really just wanted to birth celestials faster, you would just have the Eternals go there and basically, you know, mind control all them to and give them all the technology and just rapidly increase their civilization crazy, crazy fast and crazy quickly. That way the celestial could just get born and you could just move on. So there has to be some kind of like game or zoo watcher aspect to this. Well, maybe they tried it that way over the years, and that method did not produce. Maybe, but I think what, that's what they needed. But that, that those are the kinds of questions and the comments I think you're going to open yourself up to when you have such a broad scope of things that people are going to start to wonder, like why, why like this, and oh, okay, so. And I even you thought like to understand the mind of a celestial guarantee. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently. Well, and okay, so here's the other thing about uh, an eternal. Do they do they all look the same? I guess. I no, guess all. All Eternals are different. Okay. Angelina Jolie is always Angelina Jolie, and then they'll ship off this group of people to another planet. But there are other Eternals like Thanos and um, who Star Fox, who we met at the end of the movie. But, like, but they're, they're not an Eternal planets. that was created by a Celestial, were they? Yeah. So Thanos yeah. was a robot, not a person? I mean... Oh, well, the robot piece, uh, they are just created. They weren't born i guess is what they're trying to say okay so see i don't think i connected that i i figured that there was always like either they always all look like the eternals we know or they looked differently but they were all like these robotic things sent around by the celestials to do things on other planets and monitor them and stuff but they would essentially be like kumail may not look like kumail as another eternal but he's got like the same powers and then he obviously they always talk about their mind erasing but i never took away that thanos wasn't just a person or a thing i mean i know he's not a person but you know what i'm saying a titan yeah the, the whole robot thing throws me because so in i mean i'm trying to come back to the comics in the comics he's an eternal but he's not this whole robot thing is is brand new mm -hmm. so I, I didn't really understand what they were saying it's like they're not they're he's saying they created them like robots and they just erased their mind to do that like i don't understand why you go through that why make them different Start there. Why are they different? Well, and I also Why thought I either by? read or heard somewhere that they're designed to look like the people of that planet. So, like, if there was another planet where there weren't humanoids, there were deviant-looking things, then the Eternals sent there would look like deviant-type things. Yeah, so they're scrolls. They'd look like scrolls. Yeah, exactly. But so, I would think, sure. I think that's really weird if they're trying to say that Thanos is an Eternal. Based on the, like... Based on what we've seen from this movie, of what an Eternal is, how they came to be, what they are like, that doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't add up. Thanos wasn't shooting little gold balls of power or anything. Like, nope, nope. And like I said, they they've meshed the way that they've changed who the Eternals are doesn't, and then they try to connect the relationships to other characters that they have in the comics the same way, and so you can't change. X and expect Y to be the same. Like that, that doesn't doesn't work. So I, I guess he's a robot. If you want to go down that <laughs> route, I mean, it, it's weird because they they didn't die like robots. I mean, they they bled. Yeah, and their life was drained out. I'm trying to think who died and if they they were cut. I mean, they were bleeding. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy I mean, Chan was stabbed and she was bleeding and. Remember, because she yeah. got stabbed by Sprite. 
there is nothing that says they're robots other than the flashback scene. Yeah, and maybe maybe robots is a bad word. I mean, well, they said robots, didn't they? Yeah, but I don't know if they meant it in the sense of like an actual like machine as opposed to, you know, we're basically treated like robots, you know, constructed, built, sent. But that doesn't mean they're not, you know, life still, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Thanos was born, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, his and then he killed his family that or, you know, so he wasn't created like this or I don't know. I don't know how they're going to meant do it yeah but in the in the comics they are eternals also okay um cousins if you will from titan okay yeah i hope they don't do that with this i hope they just I leave hope, the eternals well, but well. why i thought they should have but then they introduced star fox and pip mm-hmm. you know but that's when they're getting into the adam warlock i'm i'm not a fan of space to be honest uh, <laughs> I, I, I never space. have been uh i hate space it's uh it gets Things get too big, get too complicated. You have, you know, all these different galaxies, and I I prefer to be more ground level. You know, I want the X Men. You know, I want, uh, you know, the Moon Knight, like Spider Man, like those those type of characters. Keep it small, and I think you have a better movie. Because what's Spider Man going to do against the Celestial? Right. Right. Pretty pretty much nothing. Then you have this captain marvel type person but then it's like hey why don't you just kill some of these supervillains on earth and make this you know make a week of it mm-hmm. and rid ourselves of you know dr octopus real quick thanks you right know, yeah it'd be it's, well yeah it it's, goes back to what you and i were talking about in the beginning you, you you get to be the power scale's too big the scale's so big and then you start to ask why aren't you x like why aren't you here where where are you right now and the more you have to start answering that. and i think comics people i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong i'm not overly a comic book guy but i i guess you guys have just been like ingrained to think that way the comics you know you you read this spider-man book you don't always expect the third party to come in because this is a spider-man book Uh, but the the meshed universe of movies seems to like open itself up more to like why isn't x here why you know because i don't think movie people have been conditioned as much as comic book people to say like shut up this is just happening over here in hell's kitchen like just go on let us read about daredevil and we'll be good yeah, if if they're truly friends, why isn't that person coming and helping them? Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and I actually I like I like how big it is. I'm I, those are kind of my jams. I like space things. I like multiverse things. I like all that. So this is kind I'm, of I see it was see that's that's different. See, I'm I'm better on multiverse than I am on space. Yeah, but Wait. I I like it all. I'm saying I like the abstractness of it. I get that it it has like congruency problems though when you try and combine that with ground level stuff. I, I get that you need to find a way to keep them separate as much as you can and then bring them together at moments where you think there's like this nexus of big universe ending event meets earth ending event and let's figure out how to, you know, you know, Spider Man's gotta go close a portal in New York so that somebody can go punch the celestial at just the right time, you know. I mean, inevitably there's going to be something like that. It almost always right. happens like that. But I, I get it. But I, I like the more abstract stuff of okay, we we are now in this different universe and we've got these things roaming around that are, you know, gods. Now the question will be what where did the celestials come from? Because they make the celestials seem to be like they're the kind of like the god figure of the universe, but I'm probably almost certain that it's something created the celestials too. And 
now you have to go back and answer like did the infinity stones come from celestials how did that happen so i don't know maybe they will maybe they won't but i mean that stuff gets interesting to me to kind of learn more about well apparently the infinity stones i mean they mentioned that the celestials had them at one point how would they ever have lost them celestials are already like yeah. crazy powerful yeah i don't know how, the, how they lost yeah them. well is but it guardians like Thanos- yeah, in Guardians. Yeah, Guardians like 1 shows the flashback of a Celestial using the Power Stone, right? And like right. shoving his staff down. And He didn't look but, like he was bigger than a planet there, but maybe that was a baby Celestial. It was just a little one. Just a little guy. <laughs> yeah. The, well, like the one that's coming out of Earth is just his head next to a volcano. Yeah. So clearly he wasn't over planet-sized. Well, I don't know. It didn't quite look like... The sizing there was a little bit interesting because like when they showed the not footage but when they showed that like a celestial being born out of earth like it looked like it's blowing up the whole earth but then the one that looks like it's coming out of the earth looks like how does it even fit in the earth but uh, yeah i was i was curious about that because when they showed again the flashback of him maybe it was a smaller planet yeah how about that okay it was just a smaller planet solved or earth earth is a bigger planet yeah the, um but like thanos snapping you know he killed half the life on on uh, in the universe that affected the Celestials too, so they didn't have control over that. Mm-hmm. So Infinity Gauntlet's got to be more powerful than than them. Yeah, but we also don't know what I guess the Celestials' powers really even are, do we? Nope, we don't. We no. know they can talk to Eternals, and we know they basically send <laughs> Eternals and Deviants around for. Gar- they have a walkie-talkie. Like, yeah, like, like they seed planets. I mean, but we don't really know. I mean, I'm assuming Aramesh could have just like grabbed Earth in its palm and just crushed it. I mean, that the size and scale of what I was seeing seemed like that was certainly plausible. But yes, don't know. See, I guess I'm. I think I'm done with Earth-ending threats. Sure. It's there's only so many ways that the Earth's going to blow up, blow up, or wipe out, or virus, or and and they've all been done so many times mm-hmm. and. Not just comics, but all movies of these Earth-ending threats, and I'm I'm over that. It can be, you know, you can make an entire movie of Peter Parker trying to save Aunt May, you know, and have the still the emotions and gravity of those types of movies there. And when you're like, "Gosh, it's the fate of the world! Is the fate of the world really again?" <laughs> you know, and then call Thor. Thor's going to handle the fate of the fate of the world. And that's where my that's where my brain's going to go is just call Thor when those type of events happen and why isn't he here? Mm-hmm. But if you have Thor, doesn't necessarily care about Aunt May, so maybe he doesn't come to that particular situation. Sure. So that's how I think you can get around making movies like that of where where are the other friends? You know, Bucky and Captain the new captain are on the other side of the world doing their own mission. Mm -hmm. So why is he not helping Spider-Man because they're doing their own thing. And we saw that in their show. So that, that makes sense to me. They're in Madripoor, whatever, but all these world ending stuff. I'm, I'm done with, unless you want to bring them all together to do something later. Right. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. It's kind of the same old stuff over and over again. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about Icarus. Um, I guessed very I, basically the minute Salma died, I knew he did it. I, I don't know what it was about either the movie or maybe it was the way he handled that scene or whatever, or maybe it was what I'd already seen from that character that I thought he had like a level of untrustworthiness to him already in the movie. But 
that was one of the things that I called like immediately. I was like, there's, he killed her. Like, there's not even a doubt in my mind. So I didn't get the time period of when he left. Yeah, they didn't really, they weren't very clear on that. Like she said, oh, I, I thought, oh, you've been gone for a week, a month, you know, when she left his girlfriend. Like, well, did he leave in like for a, a, a week? Did he leave for it's, you know, I a thought year? She, I did thought he'd been gone for like, of years. yeah, I thought it was like hundreds of years. And I, but they never said that. No. And, and I think they never went back and showed why he left. I mean, sorry. I think he left because Salma told him the truth. Is that what we're Oh, no, no. He said he left because he knew the truth and he couldn't hide it from Gemma, basically. He he knew she loved the planet so much and that he knew it was going to end and he couldn't basically stand to be around and lie to her. But when, yeah, we don't know when that was. No, no. Or how long that was. Mm-mm. And so was it after Mexico? I don't but know. I really, I really think they should have ended that guy. Um, and Icarus ended him on Selma's order. So you, you like her, but but you realize that she's doing what needs to be done for this mission. Yeah. I didn't I didn't need her to turn. She could just be bad. Yeah. I mean, she didn't even really turn though. I mean, she She turned good. Yes. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, her mission, she knew the mission the whole time. I, I think that that would have been fine. And she still could have been killed by a deviant. Right. You know, still knowing her mission. Yeah, but that, but at that time, you you now side with the deviant of she the deviant killed her because she's essentially trying to end the world, right? Yeah, the I don't know, man. I the the, the deviant stuff too, like the whole storyline about how they're they're basically just the Eternals and they don't want to die either, and the Celestial has really sent the Eternals to kill them, and they're just trying to survive like anybody else. But now they can evolve and they can steal powers. Ah. I don't know, man. I, I something about I don't know what you would have done for conflict for the first, you know, three fourths of the movie if there were no deviants. But I, I don't, I didn't really like that story angle. I just didn't like what it represented. I didn't like that the guy evolved and started talking because that really led to nothing. Like it would have been one thing if he had been the reason why the truth came out, right? Like he right. he started stealing he the powers them. and then he told yeah. him. But you you gave us that answer midway through the movie when Gemma took over for Salma, so. I don't really understand what the point of having the deviants evolve was. I think the is the only the line of we're trying to survive just like they are type of thing. Yeah, I think that that's the only reason of some sort of sympathy for the or for the deviants. Yeah, for some reason is the only reason why. why sure, it existed. I, I can see it. I think you just undercut yourself. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, it had no purpose. It right. truly had no purpose. Yeah, it could have, but it didn't. Like, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't have had the Deviant tell Gemma Chan, and then maybe she tries to confront Aramash about it. But when he just comes right out and says, okay, here's what we're actually doing kind of thing, then, yeah, there's just really no point to it. I, I even thought they were going to try to do some Captain Planet type thing of give the Deviants their power so he can fight Icarus because they couldn't beat him. Yeah. You know, it's like, what, what purpose does him stealing their powers have? for this other than he's harder to beat yeah and they started fighting icarus i'm like okay so is angelina jolie gonna give willingly the power to this guy so he could fight icarus yeah but then but then they just chained him down and he was he was captured I'm like oh yeah okay. th- there was a little <laughs> bit of an issue with again sense of power scale even just between the eternals like gilgamesh clearly had his powerful punching hands and then you got somebody who can mind control 
and then you've got uh, Kumail shooting bullets, and you've got the mind messer with her, and then you've got the nature person. Like, I didn't quite know who was stronger than who, other than the fact that they all clearly kind of deferred to Icarus. And Icarus would, but like, if you were to ask me who would win in Thena versus Icarus, the movie made you think that it was going to be Icarus. But from what like the movie showed us kind of thing, it made you kind of think that Athena. Athena. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I was kind of like, okay, if they actually all end up, and then to your point about like Brian Tyree Henry then just invented some straps that like held them down. So I guess maybe in a way they're all like pretty close to being equal. They all just kind of looked to Icarus as the leader. Well, his power set, Brian's made, made no sense. Yeah. He was an inventor. Sure. Then all of a sudden he's just making up whatever out of air. Like I, I get him being able to be a, an inventor. Yeah. But, a creator, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sudden, I guess yeah. you can just invent stuff on the fly it, it, with nothing out of the air, and then well, whatever. Yeah, his technology, little golden stuff is. Yeah, same same um, reason they all can just shoot stuff out of the air and everything. Yeah, uh, but his was mechanical. Sure. Um, so I I didn't really understand how Cersei beat the celestial in the end I, I they were all connected to the hive mind but then she just used her power and then she i think she said something like the emergence let her connect with the celestial and she ice touching him? the celestial gave her more power okay and that's how they survived when the planet blows up is that's right the eternal eternal share of the power but she used it to turn him to stone okay which they chose marble which was interesting because it looked like snow yeah, I thought um, it looked like they, ice. They just you turn him to ice. Yeah, and so I kept kept looking. I was like, uh, and then they mentioned stone. I was like, okay, okay. it was marble. Okay. Um, yeah. Another random thought I had as I was sitting here thinking, um, I kind of felt like I mean they took some shots at DC, right? I mean they flat out called Icarus Superman at one point, right? And then I could, I mean, you can't help but watch this and not think of Justice League in a sense, right? You got X number of characters coming together with certain types of powers, and I. Part of me was like, is this better than Justice League? Is the Eternals better than either of the Justice League movies that we saw? And it kind of made me think that maybe Marvel was just trying to take a shot a little bit and say, look, we know you guys didn't spend 10 movies developing your Justice League. I bet we can take 10 characters and put them together and make it feel like Justice League and do it better than you guys. <laughs> yeah, and you you can see the, okay, who who is who here? Right. And you, you could kind of, and maybe that's how they were created to begin with is you know, take these power sets and put them all together. Here's your Wonder Woman. Here's your... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the birth of the the Eternals is cool because it clearly is like, okay, we have these characters in mythology. And, you know, there's some of that in DC too, right? Because Zeus is the dad of uh, Diana, right? So there's some of that, like, mythology going on over there. But, like, they actually took these characters and said, okay, Gilgamesh and Icarus and all these people that we thought were just myths. Like, no, they're actually real and they were these celestial things. So I, I think that stuff is cool. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you got the Flash, you've got Superman, so you're already kind of, and I mean, there's no Wonder other Woman. Really, yeah, yeah, you had to have Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, you kind of see that, right? And they're just, they're the team, and I don't know, couldn't help but feel that. Uh, the inventor, could he be Batman? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> Stretch. Yeah. Oh, I know the other thing I was going to ask about. I thought at the end of Shang-Chi, in the little credit scene that they have, where they look at his bands, or rings, yeah. Jesus. Um, 
I thought that was going to tie to the Eternals because, like, at the end when Wong is looking at it, he's like, it's sending out some kind of beacon or whatever. And then when Brian Tyree Henry was creating the Unimine band, I was like, oh, I wonder if these are going to end up being Shang-Chi's. And I don't think so. Well, when he was creating them, it made no sense because, again, time didn't make sense Mm -hmm. because he has had these 10 rings for a thousand years already. Right. You know, but he's just now making them up. And so he's like, I'm going to make these bands. And I'm like, could you not find anything other than bands that we just used in the <laughs> yeah. previous movie? If they're not going to be associated with one another, we can't come up with anything other than these bands. Yeah. Like, like you can't run that by Marvel's like bands again. Like, <laughs> like, is that what we're, we're doing here? You can't, you know, some sort of necklace or ring or something. Nope. We're just going to do another band <laughs> that, which didn't even make sense because they didn't even use them. Because Sprite didn't need one to be Unimind, and I thought they were going to like try to wrap it on her, yeah, you know, like for- forcibly put the band on, but not- they didn't really use those at all, right? Like, yeah, for their Unimind. I think the last <clears throat> comment I have is this is a little bit about the story, but I, I I thought they did a pretty terrible job of showing that Sprite was in love with Icarus until. Kumail said something because I never even picked up on it. Like until Kumail told the story of Peter Pan. Yeah. If if that hadn't been there, I would have never known that there was supposed to be any kind of feelings that way. I think that's why it's there. Well, yeah, no, I get it, but it's sort of like, (laughs) I can see why people say this movie is exposition heavy because there are definitely, I mean, a lot of that comes out of the plot where you just have to have characters say what is happening because there's it's too abstract to just pick up naturally. But it shouldn't be that hard to show some instances where Sprite has feelings for Icarus that make it obvious without somebody having to come out of the blue and tell you, oh, by the way, I know that you love Icarus. Like That one was a bit, little bit heavy-handed to me. Well, that piece, and they hinted at it a little bit at the beginning of Sprite is trapped in the body of a kid, mm-hmm. you know, for life, uh, for et- eternity, mm-hmm. essentially, and you would never grow up. And they don't, they they kind of say it, but they didn't show her frustration so much, other than kind of the intro scene where she's at a bar and the guy sees through her illusion. Yeah. Uh, but you don't really get that at that point. Uh, she wants to be a grown-up, you know, wants to look like a grown-up and not a kid. Right. Uh but that's also a fun, fun little cop out from Marvel of why is this kid aging? Because she she's the only one made human. So <laughs> yeah, can, I'm sure I'm sure we can give her her powers back after she's grown a bit. Oh, for sure, she has to come <laughs> back know? and help. Although next, I would say there's probably been we... enough enough of the ten characters that they don't need to bring another one back. Right, right. But that's uh, in case we want to bring Sprite back, why is she aged so much? Right. She's eternal. It's because she's the only one that's human. The rest of them, we feel like we can deal with. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, but I don't think that they played that. Uh, to me, I, I knew that that's always been a thing for for Sprite. Mm-hmm. You know, of I've, I've always looked like a kid, and who's going to want to be with a kid? <clears throat> but much does the same with the the love story. Um, you like her? They didn't. They didn't have. I don't. It's just time. Yeah. I don't think they had enough time to to do all this stuff. Yeah. Well. Oh, I mean, two and a half hours is kind of standard. Two, two fifteen to two and a half, and that's for normal movies. I mean, we're talking Black Widow, you know. And I'm picking MCU movies, Black Panther, you know, single character movies for the most part. That same time limit on a ten person cosmic scale 
is a lot to cram into. And and truthfully, I thought the movie drug a little bit. You would think it, when you're trying to cram so much stuff in, you'd feel like it was like too much. But I, I felt like um, it, it felt kind of similar to Dune in that respect, where longer movie, slower in parts, but I feel like they still needed more, but they were also throwing a lot at you. <laughs> like, so I, I think yeah. it's just a matter of how you arranged the pieces of the puzzle. Maybe you could have arranged them differently and made it cohesive well, and a little bit better. You could tell by the crawl at the beginning of the movie that they had too much going on. Yeah. He's like, gosh, where do we fit all this? Well, let's throw it at the beginning and hope they remember it. You know? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. You're <laughs> hitting me with a three paragraph crawl just to get ready for this thing. <laughs> this is a, you, you kind of with me? No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try to dive in now, now that you know a little bit of backstory sort of. Yep. So my, my last thought was I thought uh, when she gave him at the very beginning, she gave him the knife, you know, to, the indigenous people mm-hmm. of earth at uh, 5,000 BC. I thought the in credit might, might hint at it, but I thought there might be some sort of transfer of power. And I really wanted that to be apocalypse. Uh, from DC. Apocalypse isn't DC. Oh, who am I thinking of? Dark side, dark side. Okay. Dark side's from apocalypse. Okay. That's no, what it is. Apocalypse from, from oh, okay. X-Men. Gotcha. That, you oh, know, he was no. a, a pharaoh, and yeah, you know, no, yeah, but he five thousand BC. She gives him this knife, and essentially, some she creates the first mutant uh, on Earth. I know. That, that I way. think you have inadvertently. <laughs> we have not gotten out of the uh, X Men Fox <laughs> apocalypse. There hasn't been enough of a buffer yet to do that. No, there could have been some wink and a nod, no. something there. Keep it, keep That's it far away. That is not how you want the X-Men to be introduced. I don't want Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse. I'm just saying, like, the introduction of the X-Men probably needs to be either Professor X or Wolverine. Like, it's got to be one of those two. It's got to be your main guy, and it's got to... I mean, it's got to blow people's socks off, because that's what everybody wants. That's what we've been wanting for years. It can't... It cannot be Apocalypse. It can't be anybody, like, tangentially X-Men. It's got to be one of the main guys. The first showing of a mutant needs to be claws popping. I mean, essentially, yeah, you've got to you've got to crush that. It's been a desire now for twenty years. You can't just you know limp into it with oh here's Quicksilver over here. Like no, it needs to be <laughs> it. It's got to be a home run, not even a home run. It's got to be a grand slam. I don't disagree with that, but that kid's going to be apocalypse someday. You'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I think that's it for Eternals. Uh, Carson, where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G-R-A-F-F. You can find me at, at Two Views Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at, at Two Views Movies, or you can email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen, we are there. We will be back soon. Uh, there's a bunch of movies coming out. I don't know what we'll be back with. I know there's like a Red Notice and a few other movies coming out here in theater, so... We'll be back soon enough. And we will. <laughs> yeah, soon enough. <laughs> so sometime. Yep. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. We'll catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both?